Hello, everyone. Welcome to Eternity, where love never fails. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. This is the Eternity Bible Study Podcast, where we walk through the Bible together every weekday, Monday through Friday. We're podcasting in in the United States and in Zambia with a goal to share our thoughts and encourage one another as we read God's Word together verse by verse. My co-host in Zambia, Matali, and I are both listening to Through the Bible Podcast and then sharing our thoughts and encouragement with you. From America to Africa and everywhere else, God is in control. As always, our attribution goes to Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. So if you've ever wanted to try to read the Bible every day, we hope you can join us. We're regular people just like you, trying to learn more about God and walk in step with His Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bible, feel free to read along, and if not, no problem. We'll put it all together for you. So let's get started. Today we are still starting out in the book of Ezekiel. And we started last week, and today we find ourselves in chapter 2. We'll start in verse 1, and we'll continue uh, through uh, chapter 3 down to verse 19. So we got to remember a little bit about what's taking place. Um, Jerusalem had had pretty much uh, fallen. Uh, the Babylonians had invaded Israel. Uh, God was withholding his protection because the people were so evil and uh, they didn't listen to the prophet Isaiah. They didn't listen to the prophet Jeremiah. And now Ezekiel um, is now uh, being carried off to Babylon with a bunch of the other captives. So this is bad times now. This, the, all of these prophecies have come true. Uh, Jerusalem falls. So you would think that the people's heart would be changed, but they're not. They're, they're still hard-hearted people. And so um, they're out in exile. They're five years. This has happened five years uh, out of exile. This is looks like on his 30th birthday, he's sitting uh, on the uh, along this Chebar Canal, uh, either on their way to Babylon, on the way to their final destination, uh, and he gets this vision. He gets a vision of the likeness of the glory of God. He doesn't get a vision of God, but he gets a vision of the likeness of uh, the glory of God. And he's get these. He's get this vision of these uh, creatures that are sort of multi-headed creatures, multi-winged creatures. And these four creatures are supporting this big platform. And on top of this platform is uh, this uh, throne. And this form sitting on this uh, throne that's just full of light, really hard to see, but it's a likeness of the glory of God. And these creatures are standing on these wheels uh, that are just really hard to describe, and they have eyes, and they, they just, it's just really hard to imagine what all this looks like. But in any event, uh, he's, get a, he's getting a vision of the glory of God. And when he sees this likeness, as it says in chapter 1, um, down in verse uh, 28, uh, such was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of God. And when I saw it, I fell on my face and I heard a voice of one speaking. And that's where we 
find ourselves now. What would you have done if you saw the likeness of the glory of God? Everybody that sees the likeness of the glory of God throughout the Old Testament falls straight on their face. They don't even know how. They don't even, they're like dead, you know. And I think it's probably that that feeling inside us that, that you're in front of your creator, you're in front of your maker, you're in front of something more majest, more majestic than you can ever be. And I think if we all boil it down inside, we all know how sinful we are when we come in the presence of holiness. We all understand how foolish we've been when we come in the presence of truth. And we all understand what cowards we are when we come into the presence of the true power. And then you realize you didn't need to be a coward because you had this true power in front of you. And you didn't need to be so foolish because you had this truth um, amongst you. And, you know, you didn't need to uh, to to um, think of yourself more than what you were because we're nothing but hopeless, helpless sinners when it comes to um, being in the presence of what is pure and what is righteous. And no matter how good we think we are, when you're coming in the presence of pure righteousness, there's nothing left for you to do but fall on your face like you're dead. You know, and, and you're, you're, it's almost like the human tendency to beg for mercy, to beg for this, you know, for any type of um, uh, mercy that we can, we can have. And that is exactly what the heart of someone humble does. And um, Ezekiel goes straight on his knees, straight to the floor, falling on his face, not even worthy to look up. Now we come to a, uh, chapter 2, and here's the way it goes. And he said to me, Son of man. And interesting, uh, uh, McGee points out that, that uh, he indicates that he, he, he calls Ezekiel by son of man. He doesn't refer to him as Ezekiel. And I think if my Bible notes are correct, um, he refers to Ezekiel and Daniel both as son of man in the Old Testament. And these are the only two people that the Lord refers to as son of man. And I believe, uh, as McGee points out, that Jesus Christ refers to himself as the son of man as well in the New Testament. And then my study Bible says, uh, but 93 times he's ad- addressed as the Son of Man out of a total of 99 times for the phrase in the Old Testament. So it's 99 times used in the Old Testament, and 93 times he refers to him as Ezekiel. And then it says Daniel is the only other person addressed in the Old Testament. That's Daniel chapter 8, verse 17. So well, what is this Son of Man phrase? Because we, you know, I always hear Son of Man in the Old Testament. Jesus refers to himself as Son of Man. And I always refer, you know, like think back, well, why does he call himself Son of Man? You know, I always thought Jesus is the Son of God, you know. And then you hear him say Son of Man. And um, my Bible notes say that this Hebrew phrase, Son of whatever, it could be Son of X or Son of something indicates a membership in a certain class you know so and so who's the son of benjamin or the son of so and so this you know it kind of indicates 
your position, your position as son of so-and-so. And so son of man identifies Ezekiel as a creature before the, the supreme creator. You know, he's, he's indicating that Ezekiel is the son of, of humanity, the son of, um, uh, of something that uh, is human. And so it is, um, it identifies um, the person with proper humility um, before God himself. And so I think it's really interesting that um, God is talking to Ezekiel specifically, personally by name, but he's, he's not really referring to him as Ezekiel, he's referring to him as the Son of Man. In other words, you know, this is who you are before me. You're you're just a child of humanity, and you know, um, I am eternal, and you're a child of humanity. And I think it's interesting that when you, I haven't had time to go back and contrast this, but when you contrast the way Jesus refers to himself as Son of Man, Jesus is referring to himself as a human as as a as a human form and you know he is son of god but he's also son of man jesus is the the, the jesus is god personified for uh man jesus is the word of god personified jesus is god personified so that we can see god we can vision, we can no person no man has ever seen god but we have Jesus personified in human form so that we can see God and God longs to dwell with man. And uh, so that's what Jesus' purpose was, was to give man a new gospel message, a new heart, so that we can still um, approach God. You know, even we have, even though we have our humanity, we have the righteousness of Jesus Christ now that can live in us. And um, so that is, um, I think, um, so interesting. Um, this uh, this uh, Son of Man, um, yes, we that puts us all in a very humble um, company because we're all son of mortals. And uh, we're approaching an eternal holy God. So we'll start back in in chapter 2, verse 1. And he said to me, Son of man, stand on your feet and I will speak with you. So uh, God allows Ezekiel to stand up. And as he spoke to me, the Spirit entered into me and set me on my feet. And I heard him speaking to me. And he said, Son of man, I send you to the people of Israel, to nations of rebels. Okay, so that's what he calls the people of Israel. Is just nations of rebels who've rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me to this very day. Sin had complete, just completely devastated this people. The descendants are so impotent and stubborn. I send you to them, and you shall say to them, Thus says the Lord God, and whether they hear or refuse to hear, for they are a rebellious house, they will know that a prophet has been among them. 
Okay, that was verse 5. So God's basically saying him, saying to Ezekiel, I'm going to send you to people who don't want to listen to you, and whether they hear you or not, they're going to know that a prophet was there. Whether they believe or not, they're going to know that they were in the presence of a prophet. Whether you get positive feedback or not, those people are going to know someone was there that was speaking the Word of God. It's not about how you feel, Ezekiel. It's going to be about getting my Word out in front of these people. How convicting that message is to to me hearing that. How convicting that message could be for all of us to listen to it. Because he he is really commissioning Ezekiel to doing what the gospel message is all about. To spreading God's name. And isn't it interesting the point of view that God has to Ezekiel? It's not if you feel like it or if you go to a lot of Bible studies and you feel good about it, you could maybe get the courage up to talk to somebody or, you know, if you could kind of feel like who wants to hear you talk about God. No, it's like prepare to be humiliated, Ezekiel, for me. Prepare to get negative feedback, Ezekiel, for me. Prepare for somebody else to think less of you because of me, because you have to speak my words to somebody else, not what you think they want to hear, but what they need to hear from me. Prepare for somebody to think negatively of you because of me. Prepare to walk in the unknown on how people are going to react because of me. What an attitude, what a point of view coming to Ezekiel. What would you have done if you were Ezekiel? And then the question is, is what do we do today when he wants us to do the same thing? Do we step up or do we just watch somebody else do it? Wow, how convicting that is. Verse 6, And you, son of man, be not afraid of them, nor be afraid of their words. Though briars and thorns are with you and you sit on scorpions, be not afraid of their words, nor be dismayed at their looks, for they are a rebellious house. You know how what strange looks people might give you when you're trying to do God's will, word or God's will? They might say something to you, or they might look at you differently from then on. Verse 7, and you shall speak my words to them, whether they hear or refuse to hear, for they are a rebellious house. Now, in other words, they don't have to believe it. They can hear it, and they don't have to believe it or not, but they'll know that they heard the word of God. So what are we supposed to get out of this too? Speak my words, whether whether they hear it or not. They're a rebellious house. Verse 8, But you, son of man, hear what I say to you. Be not rebellious like that rebellious house. Open your mouth and eat what I give you. And when I looked, behold, a hand was stretched out to me. And behold, a scroll of a book was in it. 
And he spread it before me, and it had writing on the front and on the back, and there were written on it words of lamentation and mourning and woe. Chapter 3, verse 1. And he said to me, Son of man, eat whatever you find here. Eat this scroll and go speak to the house of Israel. Verse 2. So I opened my mouth and he gave me this scroll to eat. And he said to me, Son of man, feed your belly with this scroll that I give you and fill your stomach with it. Then I ate it and it was in my mouth as sweet as honey. So this is like a really um, vivid acting out of consuming the Word of God. It should be like our food. You know, God's giving Ezekiel something to eat. All he needs to eat is the Word of God to do this. And isn't it interesting, in the beginning, the Spirit entered him, and then all of a sudden, all at the end of uh, chapter 2, the Word of God enters him. He has the Spirit of God. He has the Word of God. I just pray that when we hear this, that we can we can always be prayerful, that we can be equipped like Ezekiel. We can have the Spirit of God dwelling in us. We can have the Word of God dwelling in us. And we should look at the Word of God as if it is all the food we need. It is all the food. God knows what we need before we even need it. And God doesn't send us on a mission or a journey without the tools to prepare to do the journey. And what we need, what Ezekiel needs, is the Spirit of God living in us and the Word of God in us that's like food. We need to eat that Word. We need to dwell on it. We need to consume it every day just like it's food. We need to be hungry for the Word of God. Yes, we can have the Spirit living inside us, but the way we're going to grow, the way we're going to be stronger is to have the Word of God in us like a meal. And it's kind of like a, a little metaphor about that. But we have that, and we have we have that Spirit of God, we have the Word of God, and we have that mission that we are sent, just like Ezekiel. I send you to them, and what comes out of our mouth is what's in us. If we don't have the Word of God in us, the words that we say aren't going to be wise enough. We just need to say what the Word of God is. God doesn't want us to, like, represent Him with our own words in the world. God wants to rep- us to represent Him with His words in the world. It's about His words in the world, not our words in the world. His words in the world will save the world, not our words in the world. Our words just are static. Our words are just like noise. <clears throat> now, whether he in the in the, he gives us not only he gives us the spirit, he gives us the word, he gives us the mission, but he gives us the attitude. Because the attitude is whether they hear these words or not, whether they believe these words or not, they will know that they heard a prophet. They heard the word of God. They heard somebody saying the word of God. 
And in the same thing that in the same way today, we're we're like prepared just like Ezekiel. We have the Spirit of God for us. We have the Word of God for us. We have a mission of God for us. And we have an attitude of God. And that attitude sometimes, the attitude that that um, God is telling Ezekiel, that's preparing Ezekiel, sometimes we need that attitude. We need to not forget that attitude. Whether they believe it or not, Get out there and give them my words, not your words. I think that is so, so important. And we need to dwell on the Word of God like it's our food. So he said, um, for, uh, chapter 3, verse 1, And he said to me, Son of man, eat whatever you find here. Eat this scroll and go. Speak to the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth, <clears throat> and he gave me this scroll to eat. And he said, Son of man, fill your belly with this scroll that I give you and fill your stomach with it. Then I ate it and it was in my mouth and as sweet as honey. So the word of God is, uh, the metaphor is here, it's as sweet as honey. That, that precious word of God. Nothing can come close of how good for us the word of God is. It is not bitter for us. It is the sweetest honey for us. It is what we need. It is food that our Father knows how badly we need it. What's bitter is when we don't have the Word of God. Verse 4, And he said to me, Son of man, go to the house of Israel and speak with my words to them. Again, not your words, Ezekiel, my words. For you are not sent to a people of foreign speech, and a hard language, but to the house of Israel. So in other words, he's saying, I'm not sending you on any far mission trip. I'm just sending you to the house of Israel, to the people, to my people, to your people. For you are not sent to a people of foreign speech and a hard language. The house of Israel. Verse 6, not to many people of foreign speech and a hard language whose words you cannot understand. Surely, if I sent you to such, they would listen to you. But the house of Israel will not be willing to listen to you, for they are not willing to listen to me. Because all the house of Israel have a hard forehead and a stubborn heart. Now, God, look at this. Look at this. You know, you want to think you're having a hard time, you know, because nobody listens to you. God says, they don't even listen to me, and I'm God. Now, that should put your attitude in the proper place. You have the Spirit of God. You have the Word of God. You have the mission of God. You have the attitude of God. The attitude of God is, these people need to hear my words, Ezekiel. I love them this much. I am sending you to give them my words. You don't give them your words. You give them my words. And don't have this attitude like you're timid and scared to do that. Like they're gonna not going to listen to you. They're going to reject you. They're going to think differently of you. You know, he's saying, just tough. You need to change your, you need to change your attitude because they don't even listen to me. I wonder if, you know, this book of Ezekiel... So far to me, 
is coming across. I know it's the story of what happened to this prophet who was exiled with the people. But think about it like he's somebody who was a a prophet who's a prophet in captivity. He's a prophet in captivity in a foreign land. And God actually pulled up stakes too and went with him because the temple is getting ready to be overtaken and they're going to be worshiping foreign idols in back in Jerusalem. The temple there is just going to be just going to pot. So God's picking up and he's actually staying with his people. The vision of God is going to be with Ezekiel. So even though, as fate would have it, the Babylonians are carrying all the people away, God is still with them, but he's he's sort of with them through Ezekiel. But I think Ezekiel is coming across to me as sort of this modern day picture of what we need to what we need to do too. I mean, what a powerful message that he's given Ezekiel. Like Ezekiel, I need a prophet. And this prophet is going to be to my own people. I need a prophet there in a foreign land to my own people. And it's sort of like, you know, us today, and you've got a lot of people around you who may be Christians or lukewarm Christians or your friends, they might say they sort of believe in God, but they really don't. Or, you know, in our sometimes in our culture today, it's it's uh, okay to sort of have some faith, but not be too faith-oriented, not be too spiritual, not be too much of a Christian. Don't really talk too much about it because, you know, it makes other people uncomfortable. McGee says those are the hardest people sometimes to reach. It's not the people in some far-off land that you go in there and, you you know, that they need help and, and you can go in there and help them. They're, they want to they talk to you about the Lord Jesus there because they're, they're more desperate people. But the people who are more comfortable people, the people who are, they take a lot of things for granted, you know, there's more peer pressure not to be spiritual or not to talk about your faith like that. So I think sometimes, or at least my my first impression so far of Ezekiel, is it's a really good picture of us today because we're all sort of like Ezekiel in in that respect because we're all not supposed to even think of ourselves as, um, we're supposed to consider like ourselves as foreigners living in a foreign land. I forget the verse, but, but I remember in the New Testament, I think it might have been Paul talking about we consider ourselves ambassadors of Christ, but we're living sort of uh, of, as foreigners in a foreign land because we really have a citizenship in heaven, not here on earth. And so in that sense, we're sort of like Ezekiel because we're in a foreign land, but we're needing to be ministers to those all around us, whether they believe us or not. I really think that is so important and that emphasis on the spirit dwelling inside us and the emphasis on how much the word of god needs to be a part of whatever we say we have to have the word of god in us and we have to have this sense of we have a mission this mission 
to do. We are doing something God is commissioning us to do. God himself commissions Ezekiel to do this mission. And it's with an attitude of whether they believe it or not. And God even says to Ezekiel, they're not going to listen to you. And don't, don't let that discourage you because they didn't listen to me. I think it's just so cool the way that, the way that God is saying that to him. Verse 7, but the house of Israel will not be, will be willing to listen to you for they have not, they're not willing to listen to me because all of the, because all the house of Israel have a hard forehead and a stubborn heart. Behold, I've made your face as hard as their faces and your forehead as hard as their foreheads. So he's saying, look, I'm going to make you a hard guy too. And I'm going to make you, your forehead as hard as theirs and your, um, Forehead and face are going to be just as hard. Like an emery, harder than flint, I made your forehead. Fear them not, nor be dismayed at their looks. They may look at you differently. For they are a rebellious house. Okay? So you going to get some hard-hearted people, some hard-headed people? Well, you can be a hard-headed person too. But you're going to be hard-headed to tell them my words. You're not going to be somebody who looks the other way. And you're not going to worry about what they say about you or what they look at you, the way they look at you. Moreover, he said to me, Son of man, all my words that I shall speak to you, receive in your heart and hear with your ears. And again, we get this picture of the, the preparation that we need. We have to receive the word of God in our heart and hear it with our ears. And go to the exiles, to your people, and speak to them and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, whether they hear or refuse to hear. And that's almost like what he's telling us today, too. He's telling us, you know, it doesn't matter how hard these people's heads are. Your heart and head can be, your head can be harder than them. Hard-headed person, you still go out and talk to them. Still go out and tell them what they need to hear. It's not your words that they need to hear. It's my words that they need to hear. Then the Spirit lifted me up and I heard, by, heard behind the voice of a great earthquake. Blessed be the glory of the Lord from its place. It was the sound of the wings of the living creatures as they touched one another, and the sound of the wheels beside them, and the sound of the great earth of a great earthquake. The Spirit lifted me up and took me away, and I went in bitterness, in the heat of my spirit, the hand of the Lord being strong upon me. And I came to the exiles at Teleb, who were dwelling by the Shebar Canal, and I sat where they were dwelling, and I sat there overwhelmed among them seven days. Okay, so this vision concludes, and uh, he's he's uh, the spirit's lifting him up, and he goes away in bitterness. So what's that mean? He's mad. He's bitter because he understands. He has seen. A vision of the glory of God. He hasn't seen God, but he's seen this vision of his glory. And he's bitter for what his people uh, have done. He's bitter about the sin of the people. 
He's got the Spirit of God inside him. He's, he's eaten the Word of God. He's, he's dwelt and digested on the Word of God. He's got this mission from God. He's got this attitude from God. And his emotion is just bitterness of what has happened to his people. He's got this divine perspective. Verse 16, we're, I think we're going down to verse 19 now, but we'll start in verse 16. Uh, and the end of the seven days at the end. So he's, he's been overwhelmed for seven days. I mean, he's had this. He's just been processing this. At the end of seven days, the word of the, of the Lord came to me, Son of man. So God's speaking back to Ezekiel. Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Whenever you hear a word from my mouth, you shall give them warning from me. Verse 18, if I say to the wicked, you shall surely die. And if you give them no warning, nor speak to warn the wicked from his wicked way in order to save his life, that wicked person shall die for his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. But if you warn the wicked and he does not turn from his wickedness or from his wicked way, he shall surely die for uh, his iniquity, but you will have delivered your soul. You know, now that is super duper convicting to me because what he's saying to Ezekiel is, if I've given words to warn people what they have to do to live, and you warn them, and they don't listen to you, well, they'll perish, but you won't, because <clears throat> I've given you charge of their souls. Their blood's going to be on your hands, because you didn't, you didn't say anything to them. You didn't give them my words. You kept my words inside you. You, you ate the words. You digested the words. You used it. You know, it's nothing more than just food at that point. <clears throat> but if you speak to them, they hear it, and they believe, then you've actually used my words to save them. And thereby you save yourself too, because their blood's not on your hands. That is really convicting I mean, when you think about that, when you're hearing the Word of God, when you're reading the Word of God, when you're studying the Word of God, and you're praying to the Father in heaven, and you receive Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit, and you've got the Spirit inside you, you've got the Word of God inside you, <clears throat> you've got this mission, this mission that God gives us to spread His Word, and you've got, you hope you've got the right attitude that comes from God, And you have uh, a heart. You receive it in your heart and hear it with your ears. You've got this proper heart. And you walk around and you see people who need to hear the Word of God and you don't give them the Word of God. You don't talk about the Word of God. Why? Because you think your words aren't good enough or you think the timing is not right or you think you're going to be rejected, or they're going to think less of you, or you know your friendship is really a secular friendship, but you don't give it to them day after day. 
What does God tell Ezekiel? God tells Ezekiel, the blood of that person is on your hands because I'm making you a watchman. I'm making, I'm putting you in charge of people. And sometimes we don't think of ourselves as a watchman. You know, you're supposed to be the watchman to help people understand what they need to hear. So think about that. Think about the charge of being the watchman. You're responsible to protect people's lives like the watchman. You're responsible if danger comes to sound the alarm. What kind of a watchman would let an animal come in on the prowl and not sound the alarm so that the animal comes in and kills people while they're sleeping at night, kills people while they're unsuspected? What kind of a worthless watchman is that? What kind of a worthless watchman would that be? We don't want to be a worthless watchman. We want to be a watchman that actually saves people. And that's what he's saying. I hope this was helpful to you. It's Man, it certainly was to me. Wonderful insight into God's attitude uh, for uh, calling Ezekiel and really as we can learn from this, as he calls us to. So for me to all of you, God bless you. I'll see you next time as we continue this awesome study into Ezekiel. Matali, I'll turn the rest of the podcast over to you. Can't wait to hear what you have to say about this as well. God bless you, and we'll see you next time. Hello. So today's teaching is coming from Ezekiel chapter 2, beginning at verse 1, all the way to Ezekiel chapter 3 verse 19. So here we begin in chapter 2, verse 1 of the book of Ezekiel, and it reads, And he said to me, Son of man, stand on your feet, and I will speak to you. So here Ezekiel wasn't actually standing. He had fallen flat on his face because he was in the presence of the glory of God. So he receives a call and commission for the office that God has called him to. So God addresses him as son of man. This is a title found, you know, a hundred times in the book of Ezekiel. So Daniel was also called the son of man. And these are the only two prophets or people in the Old Testament that were called this particular title. And this is the title that the Lord Jesus Christ actually appropriated himself um, 86 times in the New Testament. And this title speaks of him in his rejection, humiliation, and his exaltation. So we have his suffering, humiliation, exaltation, and the glory of him and his second coming. So here, Ezekiel had a hard job to actually do. Imagine the captives were in Babylon and, you know, in very dangerous, dire conditions where um, we find the harken, the, sorry, not the harken, sorry, the heathen who are, um, you know, are just, you know, don't believe in God. And these were the Babylonians. And then you also find the, um, these people, um, they are in a total state of apostate. And, you know, you know, Ezekiel did endure like suffering and he, he had a hard job to do because these people are in a state of apostate. They, they had <clears throat> rebelled against God. They were bitter that they were in captivity. And, um, you know, Ezekiel had this particular hard task to do that the job that God 
was <coughs> giving to him. So he had to speak to an apostate people, to those in rebellion against God, to those that uh, thought, you know, they were actually God's people, but they were in rebellion against God. They were like, you know, they were just total apostasy. So verse 2 of Ezekiel chapter 2 reads, um, Then the Spirit entered me when he spoke to me and set me on my feet, and I heard him who spoke to me. So here, the Spirit of God, um, you know, enters him with power. So it entered... Oh, sorry, it, it, it actually, yeah, it, it, it gives him, it endues him power. So it gives him power. Um, it entered him uh, and it endues that power, bestows that power on him. Yes, that's the word I was looking for, um, for this particular office. So he is commissioned, he is chosen and he, he's given a charge and he's commissioned for this particular office. So when God calls us to do a job for him, <clears throat> um, he gives us the power to actually um, carry out that particular job. So God work, God's work can only be done with the power of God. We cannot do God's work on our own. And we need to recognize this as Christians and make sure if we are called to God, we need to ask God to help us to do his work. And, you know, it's important that we make sure that we are called to do God's work. Um, you know, and we are called to do the thing that God has actually intended us to do. So Ezekiel here was called by God. Because usually many a times when people just feel like, oh, hey, you know what? I want to do God's work. But they are not called to actually do that work. And, you know, in the end, they end up failing and they end up feeling bad about it. And, they, you know, they end up now uh, being bitter about it. So we have to make sure we ask God to give us the power to actually carry out the thing that he has actually called us to do. And, we, you know, we have to ensure that um, we're actually called to do a particular task or thing that God wants us to do. So verse 3 of Scripture goes on to read, um, And he said to me, Son of man, I am sending you to the children of Israel, to a rebellious nation and that has rebelled against me, they and their fathers have transgressed against me to this very day. Verse 4 goes on to read, For they have, for they are impudent and stubborn children. I am sending you to them, and you shall say to them, Thus says the Lord God. So here, God's going to tell him about his job. So God's sending him. God's giving him a charge. So God says to Ezekiel, Now I'm going to send you to these same people. And, you know, they are rebellious. They are an impudent nation. They are a rebellious nation. And uh, these people were in rebellion against God. And, you know, they are called a nation. Um, as they were like a nation. You know, the word for nation uh, that God uses is goyim. And goyim, uh, and this is the word that the Israelites used for the Gentiles, the pagans, the heathens. You know, the people who actually took them into captivity, the Babylonians. And the nation, Israel, these people, they're called a nation. They're called goyim. So the nation has sunk down to the, you know, the level of the heathen that are around them. They're no better than the, the heathen, the pagans, the Gentiles who don't know the word of God. And, you know, the hardest people today to actually reach with the gospel are church members, are people who actually feel they know it all. Those that are in rebellion against God. Um, you know, God, um, you know, they're, in, they're actually the, the people who are in rebellion against God. They are the hardest people to reach those who have rejected the gospel. And, you know, there are many in the church today and they believe Christianity is about being a nice person, doing good works, but they don't know anything about the gospel. So they reject the gospel. 
So, you know, they feel like it's living a life on the surface because, you know, they volunteer for, you know, youth camps and, you know, they, they, they volunteer to take, um, you know, food and blankets to prisoners and to orphanages. They do it on the surface. And these are the hardest people to actually reach because you try and reach to them and teach, tell them about the gospel, the gospel, the good news of the gospel. And they tend to think, but I already do that. I am a good person. And, you know, they don't want anyone coming and telling them they are sinners because they feel, you know, they are not sinners. And we're like that. And, you know, they have, you know, one thing they forget is they have to be obedient to God. So they reject God. They reject the gospel because they have their own understanding of the gospel. So scripture in verse 5 goes on to read, Also from within it came the likeness of four living creatures. Um, Sorry. Oh, I'm reading from the wrong thing. Let me, sorry, verse 5. Um, I was reading from verse 1. So verse 5 goes on to read, As for them, whether they hear or whether they refuse, for they are, rebellious, they are a rebellious house, yet they will know that a prophet has been among them. So here, God called Ezekiel to go to them, whether they hear him or not. They will know after his ministry that there was a prophet of God amongst them because God was going to make sure of it. And God does this today. So, you know, today we come across like um, somebody um, is still alive and ministering and all and no one wants to listen to him. But, you know, after they are gone, their ministry still lives on. Here's Dr. J.B. McGee, you know, like um, he's not around anymore. But um, this is 2019, and hey, I'm listening to Dr. Jay McGee, and you know I'm analyzing his his um, his um, his teachings, and I'm sharing them, and uh, you know his ministry still lives on, and that's the goodness with like um, you know true believers who minister the true word of God, their ministry still lives on. So uh, scripture goes on to read uh, verse six. It says, and you, son of man, do not be afraid of them, nor be afraid of their words, though uh, briars and thorns are with you, and you dwell among scorpions. Do not be afraid of their words or dismayed by their looks, though they are a rebellious house. So here, you know, these people, they were spiteful because they were bitter and, you know, they had reached a total state of apostasy. They had rejected God. They were rebelling against God. And Jeremiah was actually um, in danger, you know, because here scripture says you are amongst scorpions. So don't be afraid of their words. You know, they were going around gossiping and spreading rumors and, um, you know, say, say, because Jeremiah was saying, sorry, because Ezekiel was saying, things that they actually didn't want to hear um and and because he wasn't scratching their ears uh because people want their ears scratched so he was in in like in danger and um i'll just quickly read through verse 7 um to 10 and it reads you shall speak my words to them whether they hear or whether they refuse for they are rebellious but you son of man hear what i say to you do not be rebellious like the rebellious house. Open your mouth and eat what I give you. Now when I looked, there was a hand stretched out to me. And behold, a scroll of a book was written in it. Then he spread it before me. And there was writing on the inside and on the outside. And the writing on it were lamentations and mourning and woe. So here, 
you know, we ought to speak the word of God like Ezekiel was commanded. Ezekiel was speaking the word of God. He was um, giving out the word of God as it was given. He didn't water it down and all, despite him being around conditions that were not conducive, that were dangerous because he was among a rebellious nation, a rebellious people, people who were impudent, who didn't want to listen to the word of God. Um, he still was giving out the word of God and he was not afraid. And, um, you know, he, was, he ate the word of God. Uh, so for us, in order to give out the word of God, we ought to eat the word of God. And how do we eat the word of God? We study scripture and we understand it. If we can't understand it, we ask God to help us to understand it. Um, so now moving on to chapter 3. Chapter 3, um, here we have the preparation of the prophet for a hard job. So these people have gone into captivity and they are bitter at uh, this um, and, you know, at this time, the temple in Jerusalem was not yet burnt uh, and the city was not destroyed. So it only happened seven years after these people had gotten to Babylon. And the false prophets, they were telling them, you will go home. And, um, you know, and they didn't believe Ezekiel, actually, because Ezekiel was prophesying to them. As in, you know, the temple is going to be destroyed. The city will be destroyed. But it took a while for, it took like seven years before it was actually destroyed. And they didn't believe him. So they believed the false prophets um, who told them that they won't be in captivity for a long time. But they were in captivity for 70 years. And um, this came into confirmation of Jeremiah's prophecy who said they were going to go in captivity for 70 years. So these people, they were still in rebellion against God and they were thinking, you know, God is still on, God is still with us. Uh, he hasn't shut us out. But they went into captivity and the temple was destroyed. So um, uh, here in verse 1 of chapter 3, goes on to read, um, Moreover, he said to me, Son of man, eat what you find. Eat this scroll. Go and go and speak in, to the house of Israel. So here, uh, he is to eat God's word. So the word of God should become a part of us. That's what it just means. You know, um, you know, when you eat something, it becomes a part of you. So the word of God should become a part of us. No man should preach if his heart isn't in it. You know, don't preach. Don't preach the word of God if your heart isn't in it. And um, if he actually doesn't believe it. So um, here, you know, we ought to, our hearts ought to be in it. You know, and... Um, you know, the pulpit is there to actually declare God's word and not to just water down, you know, the gospel because that kills the cause of Christ. That destroys the cause of Christ. If, you know, like a man, a minister goes on the pulpit, he doesn't believe the gospel. He doesn't, um, he's not actually really in it. He's only doing it as one of the choices in life. Like, oh, hey, I never had many options and choices in life. Let me just, you know, go the ministries and become a minister because that's the easy way out. But is that their calling? Um, at the end of the day, you know, they end up being, you know, a failure and they end up not touching the hearts of the people who they were actually supposed to touch. They end up misleading hearts. Um, so verse two goes on to read. So I opened my mouth and he caused me to eat that scroll. Verse three goes on to read. And he said to me, son of man, feed your belly and fill your stomach with the scroll, with the scroll that I give you. So I ate it and it was in my mouth like honey and sweetness. So here eat the word of God. Ezekiel ate the word of God. So eating the word of God, we ought to study the word of God. Do we love the word of God? You know, we ought to love the word of God. So if we love the word of God, only then can we love the person of Christ today. 
which actually stands true. So you can't claim to love Christ, but you don't know his word. Like that's just not possible. You have to know his word in order for you to love the person of Christ. So we have to love the word of God before we ever become meaning, before it actually ever becomes meaningful to us. So the word of God becomes a person. So it turns into a person. So we ought to love the word of God um, for it to actually become meaningful. Verse 4 um, goes on to read, Then he said to me, Son of man, go to the house of Israel and speak uh, with my words to them for you are not sent to a people of unfamiliar speech and of hard language but to the house of Israel not to many people of unfamiliar speech and of hard language whose words you cannot understand surely had I sent you to them they would have listened to you so here God says you know, I, have sent, I haven't sent you to foreigners. You speak their language. It's not unfamiliar. It's not like an Paul who had to go to different countries where there was different languages. No. Ezekiel was speaking to his own people. So um, God had said, I'm sending you. I'm not sending you to foreigners. You, I'm sending you to your own people. So speak their language. So scripture goes on to read in verse 7. Uh, but the house of Israel will not listen to you because they will not listen to me. For all the house of Israel are impudent and hard-hearted. Verse 8 goes on to read, Behold, I have made your face strong against their faces and your forehead strong against their foreheads. Verse 9 goes on to read, um, Like adamant stones harder than flint, I have made your forehead. Do not be afraid of them, nor be dismayed at their looks, though they are a rebellious house. So here... Um, you know, God told Ezekiel that, you know, he was sending him to very impudent, hard-hearted people, hard-hearted, hard-headed people, and um, who won't actually hear him as they didn't hear God either, because God had been speaking to these people and they didn't hear God. So they were not going to hear this prophet, but God said he was going to make Ezekiel's head harder than their heads. So Ezekiel was the right man for the job. If we look at Jeremiah, Jeremiah had a soft heart. He was, uh, he had a broken heart. He was a prophet with a broken heart. He had a heart of a mother and he was the right person for the job at that particular point where he went out there and tears were pouring down his face and he was saying, you know, you change your ways because, you know, there is an impending doom that is actually coming. And now God has picked this particular man who is the right man for the job. He has been hardened. His forehead has been hardened harder than Flint than the people who he's actually going to teach the message to. So I drop down here to uh, verse 15 of chapter 3 and it reads, then I, came, um, then I came to the captives at Tel Abib who dwelt by the river Chiba and I sat where they sat and remained there astonished among them seven days. Now it came to pass at the end of seven days that the word of the Lord came to me saying, son of man, I have made you a watchman. For the house of Israel, therefore, hear the word from my mouth and give them warning from me. Verse 18 goes on to read, When I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, and you give him no warning, nor speak to warn the wicked from his wicked ways to save his life, that same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I 
will require at your hands. Verse 19, yet if you warn the wicked and he does not turn from his wickedness, nor from his wicked ways, he shall die in his iniquity, but you have delivered your soul. So here, Ezekiel is, has, is made a watchman to warn God's people, even if they don't want to. But he is to warn them. And God says, I will hold you responsible if you don't warn them um, and they die in their sins. But if you warn them and they go ahead and they die in their sins, you won't be responsible. So, you know, a man today who is a minister and doesn't give out the word of God will be judged because, you know, they are called to God's ministry to give out the word of God. And if they deny that word of God upon, you know, an innocent person, I think their judgment is going to be dire. I agree with Dr. J.V. McGee. You know, that judgment is coming and, you know, it's, it's, it's coming in full force. So, like, I, I totally agree with Dr. J.V. McGee. For me, I feel, you know, if you have that responsibility, you are chosen by God to go out there and give the word. You know, just as God had warned Ezekiel, like you are a watchman. And if you don't warn these wicked people and they die, you will be held accountable for the, their blood is going to be on your hands. But if you warn them and they still go about in their wicked ways, you did your job. And, you know, Ezekiel was made a watchman um, to actually warn these people against their wicked ways. So, yeah, this is today's teaching. Thank you all for listening and God bless and have a pleasant day. Bye bye.